With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. As always, I have my co-host, Matt and Vitor, here as well. And Houston, we have more than one problem. We have a ton of problems. The Jets are in a tailspin after a 54-13 loss to the New England Patriots coming off the bye week when multiple players, including Corey Davis, said that the vibes in the bye were great and they, they were excited for this game and they were ready to come out swinging. And this was the worst game the team has played by far this season. Zach Wilson is injured. The sky is falling. It was a mess. We're not going to spend a ton of time talking about this game because we don't want to wallow in misery any further than need be. But we do need to hand some key points. Matt, we're going to start off with you. Go ahead and talk about the defense because they were quite honestly atrocious on Sunday. Yeah, uh, you're going to have to forgive me for wallowing in misery a little bit on this. But uh, <laughs> after the Falcons game, we're like, oh, well, they just got too cute and they got overmatched. And But you know what? They'll figure it out. And then this week, it was just absolutely horrible. It's like they've never seen a screen before in their life. We've been beaten by screens all year. Come on, just get a clue. We're, they're going to throw screens against us. Every single team is going to throw a screen against us. And on top of that, we couldn't stop the run at all. They were getting chunks and chunks every single time they touched the ball. Every single thing that they could do, they did, and they did it without really anything stopping them in the form of defense. Uh, it was horrible to watch. I almost turned the game off a few times. I'm surprised I didn't. Uh, it, it's really hard to watch. And every single unit from front to back needs to do better. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, you know, I know that the game was bad because I watched more NFL Red Zone than the Jets game in the second half, and I never do it. But it was hard, you know. It, it was the, you know, Matt. I don't know what do you what you have, but you always predict things correctly. Like last week, I was you were the only one that said we're gonna yep. come off flat out of the bye. It's gonna be a bad game. I was like, Matt, what what's Matt's <laughs> thinking right now? This is not Rex Ryan anymore. This is not that engaged. This is Robert Sala. He's going to get this team ready, right? It's a new coaching staff. But it, 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 it felt like I have already watched this game a billion times. You know, post bye week, everybody thinks the team's going to be ready. He's going to compete against a 
great team, the Patriots, whoever. I I I felt the Jets are going to compete because they're going to be ready. The changes were made. Wilson was going to play better. The defense was going to play better. Flat defense, no response. It looks like Sally and Ubrich, they're not on the same page. Sally wants to play lagged defense, and Ubrich wants to blitz the hell out of the other teams. And, 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 and the Jets right now, they don't have a middle ground. Who they are, bend but don't break, blitzing on every third down, makes no sense. Makes no sense. And Josh McDaniels, on the other hand, is a guy that knows who he is. He's going to run traps, trap gap schemes on the ground game. He's going to run tight end screens, running back screens against the experienced linebackers. Yep. He's going to run a couple of trick plays. He knows who he is. And right now, the Jets defense don't know who they are. I, I, I don't understand you're claiming all offseason that you're going to play bend but don't break. Don't allow explosive plays. You're not going to blitz on third down against a team that's throwing screens on every play. It makes no sense. Right now, Salah and Ulrich, they're not on the same page. They got to time their relationship. They got to tie it up and say, hey, who we are? Ulrich is a guy that in Atlanta was running fire zone packages all game. Yep. Salah only did it in, in San Francisco because they lost everybody. When Salah had a healthy defense, he was playing COVID three quarters all game long rushing four. And right now, this is not working. You cannot do COVID four lagged. Over tree lag first and second down on third down. We show seven guys on the line and blitz the hell out of the other team. It, it's inconsistent. The scheme doesn't work. What you want to be does not work. And and that was the thing. McDaniels picked it on it. He picked on the inexperienced line, inexperienced linebackers, and it was what we saw. He's lug fast. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. There's they can't do both, and it's really hard because on early downs they want to be that bend but don't break defense and they want to be the classic Robert Sala we're either going to play cover one or we're going to play cover three or we're going to play quarters and that's going to be it on first and ten and then they're going to blitz on third down and it is so predictable that it's honestly sad and I don't want to go too hard on the defense here because they've played well for most of the year and it's been the last two weeks where they've struggled it's been hard when they've been playing so many more snaps in the offense but this is more on the coaching than it is on the players themselves. This isn't necessarily the players being in terrible you know, spots or making incorrect decisions. They've had their uh, opportunities to do in that as well. But this is just the coaches being too rigid in what they've done and not changing after they've gotten beat. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to see screen passes, like you said, Matt, for teams to adjust. And McDaniels probably called at least 10 of them within the first half. And they always got yards because the Jets linebackers just weren't experienced enough to recognize them before they were happening without CJ Mosley on the field. And the defensive line was just charging up field with reckless abandon like they're supposed to. That's what they're coached to do. That's why the trap runs were working so well, because it takes advantage of aggression. The Jets just get outsmarted when they're on defense. And when you have a defense, which is how Robert Sala and Ulrich want to play, where you're not that complicated and you're kind of betting on your talent to win, the Jets don't have the talent on their defense to do that the way that we've seen these defenses thrive before. They don't have the Legion of Boom. They are not the, the 2019's uh, 49ers. They just don't have that type of talent yet, and they're getting exploited. They need to adjust. They need to add in some more wrinkles and coverage. They need to disguise more. They need to run some more exotic blitzes early to get themselves ahead of the chains rather than just let themselves get into third and two where the defense can do or the offense can do whatever they want. I really want to see some changes from the coaching staff, specifically the defense, because there's no co cohesion. You're exactly right, Vitor. And it's it's a problem. And it's it's really being exposed now. Yeah, you, you touched on it. And I don't think it could be stated enough how much we miss CJ Mosley in this game. Uh, yeah. The inconsistency from the coaches is one thing, but I feel like the consistency of Mosley in there 
has sort of settled the defense when everything else is a little amiss. So him not being there was a huge, huge loss. And I feel like with him back this week, maybe we see something change. I really hope so. I, I really, really hope so. I think we will, because I think we've seen Mosley like against the Titans where he completely got themselves out of a terrible blitz call on third down that was going to get beat by the same bunch that I covered in my Mosley review. Um, it's that they don't beat the Titans without CJ Mosley changing that play call and getting them off the field and giving the offense a chance to score in the next drive. It's it, it's really important. And when your best player on defense has to go out of his way to change what the coaches are doing, maybe the coaches need to change what they're doing too. Yeah. 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 Agreed. All right. The next problem with the Pats game has been a problem all year. And that has been the offensive line. Specifically. I want to talk about Greg Van Roden because he is at the point of being a liability to the rest of the offense. The very, very first play of the game, we can get on Michael Ford for calling two runs, but I wanted them to do that. I wanted them to establish the run early. I was one of the few people that was happy when they ran on second down because I wanted to see them force the Pats out of their back off coverage, thinking that they weren't going to be as aggressive. And for the most of the day, they really weren't as aggressive on defense. They were more so than the first week, but really not to the point that we've seen from Belichick. The very, very first play of the game, it's a wide zone to the left and Van Roten gets beat. He's the only one on the line that gets beat. There's a cut through the C-gap for Michael Carter. That's probably going to be at least a seven, eight yard gain, if not more, if he can break a tackle, which Michael Carter breaks tackles all the time. Uh, This was an opportunity and Van Roten gets absolutely smoked. And now it's second and short or second and long. It's plays like that with him every single game, almost every single drive. And when you have a guy that is hurting the development of your entire offense and hurting your ability to generate plays almost single-handedly sometimes, something has to be done. And it's a real, real shame that Cam Clark is on IR because I think if he wasn't, he would be our starting right guard right now. I don't see that there is any way that a healthy Cam Clark in his second year would be worse than Greg Van Roten. I, I, I honest to God, I hope they trade for somebody because this can't continue. They need to find somebody else. His communication is terrible. His awareness is terrible. His angles to blocks are terrible. His pass protection isn't good. His run blocking is abysmal. There's just, there literally is no positive I can say with him. And I, I, I don't want to sound this harsh, but he's earned this level of criticism and it's time. There needs to be a change that really needs to happen. So with that said, how much do they not trust Dan Feeney? <laughs> because with everything they've seen in Greg Van Roten says that they need to make a change. And they have a guy on the bench just waiting. But do they trust him? I don't think they do. I don't think they want Dan Feeney on the field. So, yeah, the real answer is to make a move. We need to trade for somebody. Uh, but then at the same time, do they really want to be trading for people in a year that's kind of a lost year and maybe not a lost year in terms of development but a lost year where we're not making a playoff push uh so how much do they really want to invest i think you have to make a move because otherwise zach isn't going to survive when he comes back it's going to be the same old thing that we've seen like this week where he's just going to be under duress not able to get into a rhythm and run the risk of getting hurt again your investment in zach wilson is the most important thing in this season and if that means trading an asset to get a right guard that isn't going to get him killed then i'm all for it yeah i agree and it takes all 11 to play offense man you know it doesn't matter if the, if michael carter is taking a good angle on the ground game if zach wilson executes a perfect handoff and the other four guys are blocking the hell out of the defensive lineman if a guy misses so like so blatantly like van roden is doing 
one second of play, he's not been able to contact the lineman. So they're penetrating right after, right at the snap. The way he is missing defenders on the ground game, it's hurting the entire offense. It's like it doesn't matter what the, the other guys do because he's losing so quickly on the play. And there are just a billion of ex- examples on Jets running plays in all 22 where everybody's executing their rich blocks yep. on outside zones and yep. Verotin is missing his guy. I know it's a, it's a zone scheme, so we don't block a guy, you block a gap, but there are guys that occupy gaps. So when Van Roten tries to get his hands on the defender, he misses, and it's so quick. And Michael Carter, honestly, if it's not for Michael Carter, the Jets probably would lead the league in negative rushing attempts because we would yeah. have, like, tackle for a loss, tackle for a loss after tackle for a loss. It's really, really hard right now, and I agree. I'm not a reactionary guy. I'm more of a wait-and-see type of guy, but right now, in the situation that the Jets are at, those coaches, they are suffering from the media and the fans. They need a win. And Zach Wilson needs to be protected. If Joe Douglas cares about Zach, if Joe Douglas cares about having an easy first year for those guys from now on, Salah, LaFleur, Obrich, because if the Jets continue to lose, it's New York, baby. It doesn't matter. It's it's year one with a rookie quarterback. If the Jets go one and 16, they're going to ask for his head, for Salah's head. So the Jets and Joe Douglas needs to get a new right guard. I agree. I'm not a reactionary guy, but what what you're gonna do? You're gonna start Dan Feeney, who is arguably worse. Kim Clark's not here. What are you gonna do? Move Morgan Moses inside, who has never played there. Eight weeks into the season, I really don't know. So if there's a guard available in, before the trade deadline, make a move. Deal Marcus May, you know, because right now Zach yeah. Wilson needs to finish the season strong. And so does Robert Sally and Michael LaFleur because those coaches don't want to get into their second years pressed to win, right? You got to show improvement, but wins are important. Just got to win three or four more games to the end of the season, at least. If not, you're going to, we, we are in for, we're just, we're starting the road for a troubling offseason if the Jets don't start winning a few games. Now, I know we've talked about switching players' positions in season is probably suicide. But what, what if Becton comes back soon? And now we have Fant that's sort of free to move around. Would you at least try him inside at right guard? Because for lack of any other uh, player to put in there, even though he, it's not ideal at all to be moving him from left tackle to right guard. That's like, it's completely different. Uh, but at the same time, we have an effective lineman that we know is an effective lineman. And we, as to just not having anything else, would you try him? Now, in a vacuum, those moves, they make sense, right? Because I honestly don't think George Fant or Mario Moses would be as bad as Roden as guards. But no. the Jets just won't do it. The, the O-line coach won't do it. This is not a thing that they're going to do. But in a vacuum, thinking like, hey, do you think George Fant would be a better right guard than Greg Roden is right now? Yes. Yes. Yes, I do think, but they won't do it because it's long-term. Fan's going to be a left tackle, right tackle in the league forever. He's going to play inside, and yeah. he's not going to be happy about it. Van Roten is a team leader. They have Dan Feeney behind him. Why not play Feeney? It's like they won't even give, they won't even give it a, top, a thought. But in a vacant, right now, George Fan's a better right guard than, than, than Greg Van Roten. So is Margo Moses. I have a hard time not thinking it, but I don't think they will do it. Yeah, I don't think they will either, um, because if you move Fant inside, that means Chuma Adoga has to start. Uh, and I, that's why I wouldn't do anything with moving any of the linemen until Beckton is healthy, because then you can afford to move Fant and have his replacement be an improvement rather than a downgrade, because 
that's kind of biting your nose to spite your face a little bit, in my opinion, would be downgrading at left tackle to upgrade at right guard. As bad as right guard needs upgrading, and I think we all agree that, that's why I think that they really need to make a move. And we need to make a point. We need to be very clear about this because I just looked at the GS depth chart. Dan Feeney is not Greg Van Roten's backup. He's Connor McGovern's backup. He is the backup center on the depth chart. Now, anywhere is he listed at guard. The backup guard for Vera Tucker and Greg Van Roten is Isaiah Williams, who is an undrafted free agent that they signed in September, who called up from the practice squad. It's been a, he's their only backup guard right now. That's, that's who would be replacing Greg Van Roten. I can't say that I've seen a single second of Isaiah Williams tape to be able to know if he's any better or worse than Greg Van Roten is, but that's who would be the next guy up if they do not make a trade. And that's why I think they have to trade for somebody. They don't need to go swinging for the fences. I'm not saying let's go trade a first round pick for Zach Martin far from it. I think they need to find somebody that is at the very, very least capable. They need to find somebody that is not going to be a liability on every other play. They need to find somebody that is going to bring some stability to this offensive line because that has been the problem all year is that they get spurts of playing well and then spurts of not playing well. And the communication is never on point. They need to have somebody that can be a stable piece that isn't going to be a liability for lack of a better word. It's that simple. So let's say they don't want to make a trade and let's say Becton is still a little bit away from coming back. What if? What about Adoga? He's played both left side and right side, so he's comfortable switching from left to right at least. Would you try him? I, I can't hurt. At this point, it can't hurt. I again, I don't think they'll do it. Like Vitor said, I really don't because I think, quite honestly, I think Greg Van Roten has too much uh, clout with the team, and I think they like him too much as a team leader to where they're ever going to actually bench him. But they're going to ruin their rookie quarterback if they don't. And I. I I would try it because they have to try something. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly. Yes. Edoga young hasn't been quite great in both tackle spots. Maybe you try him. Yeah. But honestly, if they don't trade for anybody, as Andrew said, the, the only option I see John Benton and, and LaFleur and Salah switching to is Isaiah Williams. If in fact, Feeney's McGovern's backup, he's a young guy with upside at the end of the season. Maybe why not? It's the only thing that I see if the Jets don't trade for anybody. Because if if really there's no trade, I feel like Van Roten's going to be the guard for like five more weeks at least, and that's no good news. No, it isn't at all. It really isn't. I, it's it it is going to continue to be a problem if it does not get addressed. I feel like the narrative is soon going to change, though. If nothing happens, we're going to stop complaining about Greg Van Roten and start complaining about the coaches and why they're not trying something new. I complain about yeah. Joe Douglas by not giving some talent to the coaches in the offseason. That I I don't even let it get to the coaches because if you didn't see that Greg Van Roten was not going to be a quality player last year and make a move to give him at least competition, I know you had Cam Clark. You were hoping Cam Clark was going to develop, but you need two to, you needed two guards. You traded up for Barrett Tucker. You very clearly knew that you needed more yeah. guards. Like you needed to bring in another competition for Beg for Van Roten, and it couldn't yeah. just be betting on Cameron Clark. That's a Joe Douglas problem to me. Yeah, and you know, full disclosure right here, I I, I picked Van Roten and Jet X Factor like told to be the Jets' most improved player from last season to this season, <laughs> and this is this was mostly wishful thinking from my part, absolutely wishful thinking because when you think about it, Van Roten was okay in Carolina because they were in a lot of gap schemes. Yep. A lot of gaps games with, with Cam Newton, a lot of quarterback counter and power, a lot of power 
Christian McCaffrey, a lot of gap schemes and down blocks are the easiest blocks for an alignment. And that's what Van Rodden did. Mm-hmm. A lot of down blocks. And, and with this new scheme, if Benton was like, hey, the angles are going to be easier, right? He'll have her Tucker. McGovern's going to play better. Fant Moses back to him. He's not going to be bad. But truth is, Van Roten is not a fit for this scheme. He's not a good football player right now. He's not athletic enough. And he's a liability. The Jets need to do something. Yeah, that's it. They need to do something, whether it's a trade or whether it's trying Isaiah Williams or even potentially trying Dan Feeney, even though I don't think it's going to happen. They need to do something. That's that's definitely that's the point. All right, guys, let's get to the Bengals. Um, This is going to be a really, really tough game. Um, We got a handful of things we need to talk about, uh, not just with the Bengals game, but going forward as well, because uh, there has been some changes to the team. We're going to get off with the biggest news of the week, and that is the trade for Joe Flacco. Why Joe Flacco and why making the trade now? Uh, Vitor, go ahead and talk to us. Why do you think they did this move? Well, honestly, I feel like Joe Douglas knows he made a mistake by not signing another guy in the offseason. Salah basically said today that they tried to get Flacco back, but he wanted to go to Philadelphia, understand him. He, he, he prior to the season, would think he'd had a, a much bigger chance to start with Jalen Hurts there than with Zach Wilson here. But the Jets should have been more aggressive to try to get a veteran quarterback for Zach Wilson. No doubts about it. And right now, this Flacco move, because since the Jets just said that White's going to start, tells me that Salah, Douglas, and LaFleur think they need an experienced guy in the room, clearly, because they would not have signed Flacco to be the backup for White for a couple of weeks and then do what? Just circle around the facility? No. They think his presence is going to help Wilson in any way, in some way, because if or not, they wouldn't have traded for him. They would roll with Mike White and Josh Johnson. But this tells me that the Jets trust Mike White to, to just command the team for the last for the next two games, because short week against the Colts, we'll start Flacco in two days of preparation, maybe. But still, I feel like this is a move thinking long term, in a sense, eight to ten weeks, and maybe getting Flacco back next season and letting him be the mentor for Zach Wilson that we all said in the offseason it was needed. The loss of Greg Knapp, you know, sad, tragic loss of Greg Knapp had a huge impact on this team. I feel like those yeah. guys were not ready to start the season without nap. And it's just like someone, I think either of well, either of you guys tweeted it at me. It was like overcorrection by Joe Douglas, right? Yep. He needed to get Flacco here because they need a veteran presence. I feel like Flacco's move was much more about the veteran presence than winning these next two games. Yeah, I agree. Um, I When I found out that they wanted to re-sign Flacco in the offseason, this made more sense to me. And I don't want to completely excuse it because I don't necessarily think it's the best move. I think it's a necessary move, but it's a move you've been forced into. Still, the fact that they wanted to keep him makes me feel a little better that this wasn't a completely reactionary panic move. This was a guy that they already wanted in their building, that they had plans for, that Joe Flacco wanted to sign with Philly. They didn't have any control over that. Now they had the option to get him in a trade when they really need a backup presence. I understand that. My issue is once you realize that Flacco wasn't going to come back, you needed to find somebody else if you knew you wanted that backup presence. If that's what you wanted, if you wanted that veteran presence in the locker room for your young quarterback, or even potentially for both of your young quarterbacks, you needed that. You needed to find that guy. And so my thought would be, who would be available that knows the system? Because that very clearly matters to them. 
they, if the guy doesn't know the system as a veteran, they're not going to bother because they want him to be there to teach the system and the timing and the verbiage and, and not have to worry about learning all of that to be there to help the young quarterback. They want guys that know what they're doing in their system. And off the top of my head, the other guys that were available would be Nick Mullins, who isn't that experienced, who, yes, is a veteran, but not in the same caliber of Joe, as Joe Flacco in terms of being a veteran. Nick Foles, who has experience again as well, more experienced than Mullins, but didn't quite play in any system that would be exactly identical to this. Similar schemes, but not exactly the same. And the one guy that I would have called is Josh McCown, because Josh McCown played under Jeremy Bates with the Jets when Sam Darnold was a rookie. And that's basically the same offense as this. Jeremy Bates came from Denver under Gary Kubiak, which is the exact same place that Joe Flacco was with and with Gary Kubiak in in Baltimore. That's why they said they wanted Flacco was because he had the Kubiak experience. And then Scangarillo in Denver was from Kyle Shanahan. It's the same, same thing with Jeremy Bates. And you've already seen what Josh McCown was like in your building. Maybe not the exact same guys and the coaches that you have right now, but you by all accounts, know that he was a quality guy that enjoyed his time there. I would have gave I would have gave him a call, and I would have seen if he wanted to come in at the very least to be on the practice squad because I think he could have been the perfect veteran quarterback presence for Zach Wilson in this offense. If you didn't get to resign Joe Flacco, and now you have to have an overcorrection, and that's exactly what this is. It's an overcorrection because you've been your hand has been forced, and if you end up having to spend a fifth round pick for Joe Flacco to be your backup, that's a bad trade. I'm sorry, it's not terrible, but it's not good. It's bad trade. And, well, we can talk about everything that's led up to this point. But now Flacco's on the team, and he's not starting. He's going to take a week to get up to New Jersey from Philly, and he's, he won't be starting. Mike White will be starting this Sunday. So what is his role going forward? Is he just going to be the backup? Is, are we going to cut him once uh, Zach comes back? How, how is this going to work out? Because I... I, I just see another mess on the horizon. Uh, what happens if Mike White plays well? Is so Joe Flacco just going to be sitting on the bench for a six-round pick? It, yep. it all just screams mess, and I don't see it ending yep. well. I feel like they're going to keep tree in the fifth tree. It'll be it. Maybe maybe get White to the practice squad, but feels like they really like him. But it, I, Salah said today in the press conference, we want to keep three quarterbacks in the 53-man roster, which is not fantastic but in this situation where you're trying to get Wilson the reps Flacco the experience around then you want to give Mike White the backup rack reps when needed it's, it's the answer for the Jets so I, I feel like that's what's going to happen and it, it's odd it's odd maybe next season they part ways with White and roll with Wilson and Flacco maybe already now they part ways with White to place him in the practice squad it, it's just that 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 was one of my main issues with the move it's just odd timing. Right now, the roster is set. The Jets are carrying two quarterbacks. Now we're going to have to carry three. Or we're going to part ways with White after he was on the team for all that time. It's just odd. Nothing ever comes easy with this team. It's always just a discombobulated piecemeal strategy. That yeah, never this really- week was very disappointing for me in a yeah. sense that Sunday was the worst game plan possible from both LaFleur and yep. Robert Sala. And I just felt like on Monday, the Jets were creating for Flacco. Like, what is this a thing Joe Douglas would do? It was like, this was a week, maybe the first week I've ever questioned this new regime, honestly. Yeah, they deserve it. I, I think they absolutely deserve to be questioned after this week. And I'm not saying fire them by any means. I think we need to be patient with everybody on this team, including the front office, the coaching staff, the young quarterback, all of it. 
I, I think patience needs to be the key here because the 49ers, let's remember, had the second pick of the draft and drafted Nick Bosa in their first year under Kyle Shanahan. And the next year we're in the Super Bowl. Things can change quickly. Things can once players get used to the system, it can happen fast. And that is what the coaching staff has been saying. And they have evidence of it. So I'm not going to sit here and completely just say, tear everything down. It's a disaster. And, you know, there's nothing that needs to be said about that. But they do deserve to be questioned. And Matt, you were talking about the topic of what happens with the quarterbacks. And I honestly think that Mike White is going to start this week. I think Joe Flacco is going to start the next week until Zach Wilson um, is healthy. I think after Joe Flacco is uh, done being the starter and Zach Wilson is back, they are going to release Mike White. And I think the the reason they're going to do that is they said they wanted three quarterbacks in the roster. Salah said that again today. They wanted three quarterbacks on the roster, and that's why they brought in Flacco. I don't think they're going to keep four. I think Mike White is the sacrificial lamb. I think they've realized the mistake that they made, and I think that if they sign Flacco and in the offseason and kept him like they planned to, that Mike White would probably be on the practice squad if not replaced by Josh Johnson. And I think they like Josh Johnson on the practice squad because he's mobile. And so when they go against mobile quarterbacks, they already have a guy on their scout team that can replicate that quarterback. Uh, They don't have to worry about having, you know, Mike White, who is a pocket passer on their scout team. And then you're going against Josh Allen twice a year and you need a guy that can move around and scramble and be a threat on the run. Josh Johnson can do that on the scout team. I think that's why he stays in the practice squad. I think Mike White is going to start one game and then be uh, the Joe Flacco's back up until Wilson comes back. And when Wilson comes back, I think he's going to get cut. Can you imagine if Mike White has like a really good game and he pulls out a win this No, week? I actually can't do that. I, 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 I honestly I'm I a can't. Ma- I, I'm no. a Mike White fan. Yeah, I believe in White. No, I don't. But honestly, <laughs> I think he can play well. Win, I don't think Jets will win, but I feel like White can put up a good game statistically. Like 20 for 30, 220 yards, one touchdown. Ugh. Basically, he is with a bunch of checkdowns to Michael Carter. And anytime he throws over 10 yards, it's going to be over the receiver's head and picked. Possibly. Possibly. That's what I saw against New England, as yeah. I saw a handful of times that it was noticeable how much less talented he was than Zach Wilson, where yeah, easy it's, completions, it's where he had, yeah. yeah, he had receivers wide open for easy completions, and he just went right over his head. The interception to Kyle Duggar, which I still don't think was an interception. I think the ball was on the ground. That's beside the point. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was either. But uh, regardless, that was a bad overthrow. And and I think Mike White is it's clear that he is. I I don't think there's a chance that he's going to have a good game because I think the Bengals offense is so strong. And that's going to be what we're going to get into next, that they're going to be playing from behind like they usually are. Mike White's going to be forced to pass. Greg Van Roten's going to be forced to pass block. I think it could be really ugly. I don't think he's going to play well enough to to warrant hoarding off Joe Flacco. And I think the Jets know that. And I think that's why they traded for Joe Flacco. Yeah. I, the only way I can see him having a good game is if Michael Fur and company have a change of heart and how they look at their game plans and somehow yeah. change their game plan to exactly what it should have been the whole time with Zach with quick passes, uh, man beaters using more, a lot more. And getting away from these uh, two tight end sets, if they start doing exactly what they should have done and they start looking better as an offense, uh, it, it might turn some heads, but it'll piss me off. I, I, we, me and Peter talked about this, how if they all of a sudden figure things out with Zach not available to them, that's that would just uh, irk me to, to no end. 
Yeah, Vitor, you yeah. actually, uh, you made the point where you were really saying you were hoping Michael Ford doesn't start calling plays like he doesn't care and actually start calling better plays now that Zach Wilson isn't playing. Go ahead and elaborate more on that because I think it's a really interesting point. Yeah, I feel like LaFleur is, he, he is overthinking just like Wilson, you know, when he sees his call shit and when he game plans, he's like, man, you only put Zach in a bad situation. He might make, make a mistake. His head might spin. He might struggle for a couple games because after the Patriots game, we saw trauma, traumatize Zach Wilson. And LaFleur just wants to avoid that. He just, he just simply does not want to traumatize Zach Wilson again. And he's basically overthinking his play calls. That's what I think. And if White, man, he does not care about Mike White, honestly, quite frankly. He doesn't care if Mike White's going to overthink. He doesn't care if Mike White's going to get traumatized. Mike White's a backup quarterback. He's not the franchise. Zach Wilson is the franchise. So he's just going to call the offense. He's just going to call the offense. Hey, go quick game. Hit it off. And Mike White can execute the offense. I honestly feel like Mike White can have a Nick Mullins type of game with the 49ers. A guy that might keep them in the game and is not just, he just simply isn't talented enough to win it, but might just keep them in the game to the end. And honestly, I feel like LaFleur might call his best game for him because he 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 will play, he he'll call it without fear of hurting his quarterback. This is the worst thing as a play caller. When you're calling plays and you don't trust your quarterback, or you're afraid that your quarterback is going to suffer from executing, it's going to make him overthink and his head spin. With White, he doesn't care if his head spins because he's the backup. Just call the play, call the office. It's like the toughest play. Go ahead, just do it. You know, and and that's what I think. I feel like Lafleur, we we will be will be free, more free calling the game. Yeah, I could see it. I I could definitely see it. Um, especially when when you have a guy like Zach Wilson, and I think Michael Lafleur is just as guilty as this as Wilson is. You want to dial up the deep shots. You want to show off that arm. You want to try and stretch the field, maybe more so than you should, or maybe before it's set up for you to do so. And with Mike White, you're not going to be that eager to be launching bombs downfield. You're going to have to focus more on the quick game. You're going to have to focus more on getting the ball to your playmakers in space. And it might end up being a better game plan with a worse quarterback executing it. And that could be what we end up seeing. Yep. And it could be competitive. Like you said, I'm I'm skeptical about Mike White. I'm going to be honest. I really am. But I could see the play calling and the rest of our playmakers doing enough to yeah. mitigate Mike White enough to be somewhat competitive. Besides a more a more freely approach from LaFleur, I feel like it's going to be he'll be more willing to give the ball on space to Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, etc. And then there's going to be a good combo for the Jets. A careless LaFleur, in a sense, is going to just call the offense and let White handle it, and he's going to try to get his playmakers involved in space. Now, will they be successful? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think the Cincinnati's just been playing very well on defense, and especially that yeah, defensive well. line. So yeah. it's going to be very hard to get anything moving against this, this defense. Yeah, I'm not optimistic about the offense, and we're going to get into our next point here. I'm not optimistic about the defense either. Because I think the Cincinnati offense is the toughest task the Jets defense has faced all year, and it's honestly not even close. Uh, I'm, their skill position players are loaded to the teeth. Joe Burrow is playing fantastic football. Their offensive line has been better than I expected it to be, and their defense is keeping them in positions for their offense to take advantage. I'm. This is a tough, tough task for the defense. If they have any sort of showing like they showed last week, it's going to be trouble. I, I'm, I'm really worried, Matt, what, what can we maybe do to slow down this Cincinnati offense? Uh, our defensive front needs to find their legs again. Uh, they, they've been, they played some soft offenses and had some success early. Uh, but now like, late of late, they played better offensive lines and they've looked like 
the backups and that they are uh, with the on the edge. And uh, Q hasn't been playing up to to par. Rankins hasn't been playing up to par. Uh, after uh, getting that contract, Franklin Myers has been playing up to par. Every single one of these guys needs to step it up. They are getting paid a lot of money. There's a lot of expectations there. They need to do better. Uh, it's going to be the only way we can win this game. Uh, with CJ most likely coming back, we'll have a little bit more command and control in the middle of the field. So the communication will probably be better. Maybe we won't see so many frustrating third and longs uh, going screens for, for big yardage. Uh, maybe we'll see better coverage uh, on running backs and tight ends. But most likely not since that's what's been killing us all year. And frankly, I'm very happy. I have Joe Mixon and uh, and CJ Uzma, uh, the the tight end of Cincinnati, on my fantasy team this week because I'm going to be playing them and starting them, uh, and I'm hoping for a big game from them. Unfortunately for the Jets, uh, I don't see uh, much much happening in, in as far as stopping them. Yeah, I'll be the positive one right now because. The Bengals' passing attack is built around their wide receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Uzama and Mixon are good, but the passing game is built around their receivers. And quite frankly, the Jets have played well against receivers. The problem is the Patriots and the, and, and the Falcons when they had Kyle Pitts as the focal point of the offense or even Cordell Patterson coming out of the backfield because this exploits the Jets' weakness. That's the linebacking crew, the middle of the field, safeties, etc., But talking about receivers and cornerbacks, I know that the Jets don't have any big names, but I feel like Bryce Hall, Echoes, Gidry, and Carter can match up with those guys. And if Burrow only focuses on giving the ball to his receivers, the Jets might stop them a few times. You know, because their passing game isn't built around Uzama or Mixon. It's built around Chase, Higgins, and Boyd. I might be a little bit too much of an optimist here, But I, I feel like those corners, the Jets corners, they, they can match up with Boyd, with Chase, and with Higgins. With that said, obviously, obviously, Chase is the toughest matchup Bryce Hall has ever faced. It's a big test. Yep. But if Cincinnati tries to build their offense around the wide receiver in the passing game, it's a good matchup for the Jets because it's not the Jets' worst unit. The Jets struggles struggle. The Jets defense struggles against teams that build their passing game around quick screens, flares to the running backs, and tight ends over the middle. Yeah, I mean, well, every team that we faced so far has exploited the middle, like you said, and I don't see Cincinnati going away from that. I think they're going to run the ball until we can prove we can stop it, and they're just going to exploit their their backs and tight ends over in the middle all day, and they've got some great talent there to do it with Mixon, Breen, uh, CJ. So they, they've, they've got the talent there to beat us. I don't, even though their offense revolves around the receivers, I think they're smart enough to know that we can't stop anything other than their tight ends and, or stop everybody else. Uh, I'm actually going to counter you guys here because I don't think it matters who our corners are. I think the Bengals receivers and Joe Burrow are playing so well that they don't care who they're facing. And they're going to try and play their offense and be who they are every single week. Jamar Chase just put up 200 yards on Marlon Humphrey. Who are we to think Bryce Hall is going to slow him down? Bryce Hall has been playing great this year, but this is the best receiver he's faced by a wide margin. 
Bryce Hall has been playing well against good to average players. Jamar Chase looks like a future superstar. You're talking about a guy who's on pace to shatter the rookie receiving record. And this it's going to be a, a really, really tough matchup for him because Jamar Chase can be just as physical as Bryce Hall. He's not going to back down from his physicality. He's got just enough speed to get him down the field. This is this is going to be a really, really tough matchup. And quite honestly, I think this is a awful matchup for the other Jets corners. T Higgins against Brandon Eccles scares the living heck out of me because I'm worried that T Higgins is going to have the size to just box Eccles out and be able to, to dominate him down the boundary. Like I saw T Higgins do a handful of times against the Ravens. Uh, we've already seen that Eccles can struggle in that area. If there's one area where he hasn't been his best, it's been going against bigger receivers down the boundary and playing up to the ball. Cause he's a smaller corner. Tim Patrick got him on a go ball against Denver where he kind of got lost. I'm, I'm worried we're going to see that again. And let's not forget Tyler Boyd, who I think is one of the most underappreciated players in all of the NFL, who's just been a quality pro receiver, regardless Very of where he receiver. lines up. Yeah, it doesn't slot outside. Doesn't matter. He's just going to get his yards. He's going to get open. It doesn't matter what route he's running. It doesn't matter where he is on the field. That's gonna, That's a tough matchup for Brandon Eccles, too. And I think Eccles can can definitely win his share of matchups. But I'm I think this is going to be ugly. I think this could be Joe Burrow. 450 and four touchdowns like this. This could be a, a real problem. Yeah. After listening, you say what you just said. Probably you're right. And I'm wrong. There's no other way around it. Those receivers are pretty damn good. The Jets corners, after all, they are inexperienced. They played well against subpar competition and the Bengals might as well just ragdoll the Jets. Probably. And I love the Jets corners and how they've played this year. I've been my bye week preview. I said they've been the best unit on the team uh, up until the bye week. And I believe that and I'll stand by that. But this is a different caliber of team and a different receiver unit that they're facing. That they haven't faced yet. This is a, a different qual- caliber of challenge. And it's not just the receivers. It's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is so good at reading leverage and putting balls where his receivers can adjust to it to where even if the DBs are in position and they have good coverage, he's going to be able to have such good chemistry with Chase and Higgins where he's just going to put it back shoulder, put it slightly out in front, and they're just going to catch the ball anyway. That's It's almost indefensible. And that's why I'm kind of sitting here being like, you kind of have to sell out to the pass and force them to run the ball. And I don't know if that's a good strategy either because Mixon's a really good running back. This is a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, in my opinion. I think I know where we're trending for our uh, score predictions. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think we might all be on the same page this week. All right, guys, let's finish with our last point here. A little bit of optimism before we get into score predictions. And that is that I think, and I think we all agree, that the time off is going to help Zach Wilson. We've seen it help Sam Darnold when he was a rookie where he was a little overwhelmed to start. He hurt his foot. He came back after a few weeks. He looked a lot more calm. He looked a lot more collected. It looked a lot more understanding in the offense, was able to get the ball out quicker. I think we can see that happen with Zach Wilson. We've already seen it happen with him at BYU. His sophomore year, he was hurt. He didn't play as well. He got his shoulder surgery in the offseason. He was hurt. He came back the next year, and it made him play so well, he was the second pick in the draft. We've seen what he can be like after an injury. We've seen that he has the ability to improve. And if there's one thing we know about Zach, it's that he is confident, he is driven, and that he is going to want to be on everything that he can to get better so that when he comes back out the next time he gets to play, he is going to play as well as possible. I think that this could be a blessing in disguise, especially with right now with how the offensive line's playing. It may be good to have an injury that isn't terribly serious 
let him get healthy, give him some time off, give him some time to have a break, watch how Flacco studies, watch how Flacco dissects the offense, get the veteran presence that he's been lacking for so long. I, I really think this can be a positive in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Zach was overthinking. We were all talking about it. Things are way too fast for him. Just sitting back and seeing that it's not that hard. A guy like Mike White that doesn't have a tenth of his talent can execute, can do. It's going to do wonders for him. Like, hey, Mike, I know him better than Mike. And Mike's doing it just fine. He's checking the ball down. It's not rocket science. I can do it too. It, it, it's sometimes it, it's exactly what happens. And he's just going to come back calmer and executing the offense better. And right now, best case scenario for the Jets, no matter the next two games, win or lose, get Zach Wilson back, no matter the record. And Wilson wins the Jets four to five games playing well. And that's it. I don't care about draft picks right now. They got to win yep. a few games. They got to get Wilson with a lot of confidence to his second year and maybe get a good offseason. And then maybe you can get a very good second year from Wilson. Confidence is everything in football. If Wilson plays well down the stretch right now, it's a different, different, different vibe for this second season. It's going to be a lot different for Wilson, for Salah, for LaFleur, because they're going to feel like they found their grooves. They're going to feel like they clicked. And that's the thing. Hope Wilson sits back understands that he doesn't need to play superhero ball, comes back, wins four to five games, and the Jets get a good offseason. Maybe next season is going to be as good as we thought prior to this year. Second year of the rebuilding, usually a good year. And you know what? We were talking about Greg Van Roten and replacing him. Now would be the perfect time to try something new and to see if something solidifies by the time Zach comes back. That is back. true. So that maybe that he comes true. back to a line that's functioning and won't get him killed. Uh, I think some time off will definitely help him uh, get get that perspective from the bench, see how the offensive looked uh, from from that point of view. Uh, it, it can only be a learning, a good learning experience. I don't think it, it will hurt him at all. No, I don't think so either. And and even though I kind of was a negative on it before, there is positives to everything. This is why you trade for Joe Flacco now, because you can bring him in the building while Zach is off and give him that veteran presence to watch while he isn't able to be on the field. Let his brain go into overdrive while his body can't necessarily be doing anything. Without Joe Flacco in the building, just studying from Mike White, just studying from Josh Johnson, I, I don't think it would have the same impact. I don't think it would be as much of potentially an improvement when he were to get healthy. I really think that's why they did this now. Yep, that's it. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, let's get into score predictions. Uh, I think we all know where this is heading, like we said before. I'll go ahead and lead it off. I'm not going to spend too much time talking. 35-10 Bengals. Um, I think that Joe Burrow is just going to light the Jets' hair on fire. And it, it, regardless of what the offense tries to do, they're going to be playing from behind early, and the offensive line is going to struggle with the pass rush being able to pin the rears back and go off. I don't think Mike White is going to be able to do enough to – you know, to, 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 to make this a real competitive game. Uh, I think the jet skill position players might have some good plays, maybe two weeks in a row with a touchdown for Elijah Moore, but I'm um, 35, 10 Bengals. I'm not expecting a, a good game at all. Uh, I've been, I've been tossing with this. I was first expecting a blowout, but it, it will be a home game. CJ Mosley will most likely be back. Having that general in the middle might just solidify things enough to make it a close game. I still see us losing. Uh, but I don't think it, it's going to be as bad as, as I first thought. So I'm going to go 24-19. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I was afraid Matt was going to say 24-10. 
because that that was my prediction. I feel like the Bengals are going to win 24-10, and it's going to be like a close game up into the third, fourth quarter, and the Bengals are just going to run away from it because White won't have the firepower to keep the Jets in the game for long. 24-10, Cincinnati. Okay, so we're all predicting losses, but you guys are more optimistic than I am. Uh, it's possible that the Bengals have a little bit of a letdown game after you know stomping a rival in Baltimore as much as they did. Maybe that they get a little high on themselves and overlook the Jets a little bit. Maybe the Jets can sneak some things in. I could see that happening, but I, my gut tells me the Jets are in for a very, very scary Halloween. Uh, that's that's what I think is going to happen. I, I'm, we will see at the end of the day, but I think that this is going to be another loss. I think it's going to be... It's, it's hard to win without your starting quarterback. It's just that simple. In the NFL, it's pretty hard. Yeah. All right, guys, this has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm your host, Andrew. You can find me at Golden underscore 17. Guys, you know the drill. I'm Matt. You can find me at Zazzy Jets. And I'm Vitor. And you can find me at Vitor Paiva M. As always, it's at OKD Podcast on Twitter. Thank you guys again for listening, and we'll be back next week to review the Bengals game and assess where the Jets are going forward again. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.